1: As the time delivers perfectly downfield, touchdown! Patrick
0: Mahomes with a rope. This one, and it's touchdown! This time, going deep
2: for Beckham Jr. Can he catch it? He did! Hello, and welcome back to Road of overtime on Road of Biz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined once again by Sean Siegel, co-owner of Road of Biz, co-host of the Stadium Bananas podcast. Sean, Thursday night football has been and gone, and we are on the eve of the NFL season. Maybe some of the listeners are listening to this on Sunday as they get ready to set those fantasy football lineups. But it's going to be—it's going to be fun. Eventually, at a point of the season, it then becomes a grind of oh, I have to set you know so many lineups that it takes me too long to do. But at this point of the season, it's a pure joy to to get to fill in those lineups, and hopefully that joy continues as those teams storm towards the fantasy football playoffs but on today's show Sean we're going to answer some interesting listener questions that are going to get us to think about our start set decisions and some zero RB questions as well that we're going to go through but Sean it is time to get truly excited as we drop the show Saturday before the NFL season.
1: No we're, we're one game away uh, we're recording this on Tuesday But at this point, we expect that the Buccaneers-Cowboys game has gone 49-45, something to that effect, and got us out to an incredible shootout to start the season. Colin, we have a question here from Brad Archer about start-sit decisions. And uh, this is kind of a fun one, right? It's interesting. It's relevant. He says, once again, he's really enjoyed the draft podcast, not just OT, but ceiling bananas and the RV fantasy football show. and the listener leagues we really appreciate that we've also enjoyed and doing the listener leagues with you guys has been an absolute blast so with the season almost here how do you go with your start sit decisions and how does this change over the course of the season and into the playoffs for something like the FBG championship and the main event? the obvious answer is pick the players you think will score the most points which yes that that is mostly what we are doing ask you know are we doing our own weekly projections? What qualitative factors do you take into account? How do you separate these from the projections to ensure you sort of don't double count? How do you weigh draft capital versus matchups early in the season? So Colin, let's go through some of these elements looking at how we do the start sit. I guess the first thing that I would note is that my approach to start sit decisions is similar to my approach with the drafting. Where we've drafted a lot of guys that we think have a lot of upside. And through the first couple of weeks, we may actually be benching some of our upside draft picks because we just don't have a good read yet on where they're going. You know, if you've picked, say, Jamar Chase in round five and a Will Fuller in round nine. Obviously, Fuller isn't going to be the guy in week one. He might be the guy for you in week two if you still don't have a good read. Say you drafted Jarvis Landry in the round 9-10 range. That's probably a better example. Landry might be the guy that you run out there in the first week, especially with the shootout matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. So you have a couple things here where you've got the shootout matchup and you've got a player who finished strong last season, an established, I wouldn't say star at this point, but a veteran very startable type of wide receiver we're confident in his talent level We're confident in his toughness we think that this offense is ready to take maybe even the next step we've talked about how their run pass splits from the first half to the second half are now very favorable for the passing game so we have a lot of evidence pointing in the direction of landry being able to go out there and play in week one as that moves through the season it could shift back in the direction of some of these guys who we expect to break out as that happens The thing that I'm looking at when I'm trying to put together the weekly start sit and the weekly roster, the weekly starters, is this idea of who gives me the most upside within understanding the range. And so I've gone through and I've done weekly projections in the past. It is kind of a fun process, but it's also a very time intensive process. There are a lot of other things that I have responsibilities for throughout the week. And a lot of those things give me more advantage in terms of doing my start-sit decisions. And so I'm not necessarily doing that, but I have an understanding of the 32 teams. I have an understanding of the matchups. I have an understanding of my roster. I'm not trying to give myself this level of confidence in a given number to where I would start to move lesser players up based on the idea that, okay, well, this week, They're going to score a few more points. This week they have a better matchup. I'm looking for the stars to really come through and to score those points. Now, we have areas in which multiple guys will move into the same level and you have differences in matchup. And that's where the matchup comes into play, where you take those guys. So, Colin, I'm going to ask you to go into this for a second, but I do want to mention a couple of tools that we have. So we have the game level similarity projections. The first thing that people should realize about this is that this is not taking into consideration some of the sort of external factors about you know who's healthy, who's not, teammates being healthy, that kind of a thing. It's telling you how a given player has played against similar defensive matchups. So one of the things that's great for this, again, is this idea of kind of understanding a range and thinking in terms of multiple scenarios. And so I really like that. It's not going to give you a projection in the same way that going through and using, let's say, the projection machine or something like that will give you a projection But understanding those ranges and the upside, the downside is very valuable. Dave Cabin runs that. He does the weekly column on it. It Gives you a sense of how you might stream some of the positions that are more streamable. So I really like that element. We also, if you go to the NFL Stat Explorer and the individual player pages, there's a matchup tab which will give you a variety of things in terms of how the defense they're playing has played recently. It'll give you the Vegas lines and how players tend to play against that. So we have some tools that are really cool for making some of these decisions. We're giving you information that helps you make the decision. And one of the things that I always try and emphasize is it's your roster. It's your team. You need to make the decision, but there are some great pieces of information that will kind of get you there. And so I would go through the, the, start set decisions. I would look at these guys, try and figure out who I like the best, put them into the lineup. And then you've got to kind of live with it. And that's the kind of thing we've been talking about. Don't second guess yourself too much or, you know, look at someone out there in the community who had the player you had on the bench ahead of the player you have in the starting lineup. If that guy goes off, don't just assume, well, oh, that person knew more than I did or that person's, you know, start set decisions are going to be the ones that I want to use. It could be the exact opposite the next week right you have to understand the range of outcomes for the players and understand that it really is a range so the person who was likely to score the most points in any given game may not do that don't second guess yourself play your roster play the stars let all of those points that you've drafted in a zero rb or a modified zero rb team let those points win with you don't try and kind of chase these narrow scenarios into a situation where you're not starting your best team and so maybe sometimes it works you have all of these bench points because you just you weren't going with the roster that you drafted to play
2: yeah no i would agree uh, exactly with sean with what you've said there Uh, i'll probably end up now reiterating a lot of the stuff that you said but uh, you covered a huge amount of topics i think something that is very important for anyone that's playing fantasy football is to go with your own decisions i i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that might read something and they might just say well i'm going to change to that but you know have your own process as well and go with those players because like sean mentioned for every person who tweets on twitter that they're right there's going to be a lot of people not tweeting and they were wrong so uh, you know you have to go with your own decision too it is your roster at the end of the day as well same as when we give you advice for drafting you don't have to draft the players that we draft and it's kind of more about the process but sean mentioned there um the the glsp um app and that is something that i would go to a lot and especially You know, another thing that Sean mentioned is going through and gathering information rather than sitting down to set up a spreadsheet for the projections is going through the information, checking, let's say it's a player that maybe has a a slight injury, making sure you're checking the beat reports and making sure you have the information you need to be able to play that player if he's okay and if he's not okay, don't have him in your lineups. Things can be um, quite simple, but it can be tracing that information and trying to make a decision. But then when you get into the tricky situations, it's going to be those players at the start of the season, I think it's pretty clear-cut. Week one, Sean mentioned a scenario where you might play a guy that's drafted later. could be the same. You might have drafted a running back that you think has a huge amount of upside, and you might have somebody then like, say, James White, who you've drafted later, who you think is going to have a, a safe enough floor maybe in, in week one to get you those points at the running back position. But when the season goes on, you're going to have a situation where hopefully the team gets stronger, and you have players that it's like 1A, 1B. You might be like, oh, I'm going to start these 3 wide receiver wide receivers i'm very confident in that but your fourth and fifth options can be very very close and i think that's where it really comes down to the matchups and things like that but the reason i like the the glsp uh, sean mentioned it it gives you the range of outcomes it's not giving you a situation you can very easily sit down and say well this game's going to be a shootout and you know the texans are going to be behind so tyro taylor's going to have to throw 40 times to branton cooks and that's going to give them a massive week this week but that's not always going to be the situation so a lot of the time it's taken that narrative that you're creating in your head and being able to emphasize that when it may not be the true scenario but it's the scenario you want to happen and and try and balance it out from that perspective but I don't know Sean if you do this at all but I kind of think of it as almost like and the reason i probably started thinking more about it this way is you've talked a lot about when you get to the halfway point of the season you want to have a team that's basically full of guys that will be going in the fifth round and there is some weekly occasions where i'll be like if i was doing a draft right now for this week what order would i take these players in and sometimes if i have a kind of 50 50 or 60 40 decision i would make a decision that way is that something that that you would ever think of of adding in to your process or is what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fun way to think of it. I think the main thing that we're trying to do is, uh, I mean, it sounds silly maybe to say it and just keep repeating it in terms of, oh, well, we're just going to use this and address it to a different area. But this idea of win big, lose small, right? And so it's the same thing with start-sit that you're doing with the draft, where when you're putting a guy out there, you don't want to bench a superstar who has so many different ways in which they could have a big week and play a lesser player who has like one path to a big week but so many ways they could have a small week now again it doesn't mean that you don't look at matchups right if you have two guys who are somewhat similar maybe even a guy who is the better receiver but he has a brutal matchup and i think dave's going to have a cool article on wide receiver corner matchups as well this season so we'll be able to have that information for you as well you know, you can go with the lesser player at times, but generally speaking, we want to have the stars out there. And so if they've risen up to be, you know, we have a lot of the list of Chennault. We don't really know how he's going to play. I mean, there's even a chance that he could be the wide receiver three on the Jaguars. People ask us what we're scared that we could be wrong about. You know, that would be something, right? And at the same time, there are a lot more scenarios where he rises up and is sort of a, an A.J. Brown light kind of guy in within a Jaguars offense that could be kind of fun we don't know Trevor Lawrence has looked pretty good over the last couple of weeks you have this possibility that he jumps and is that kind of player if he does and we're drafting a team with a lot of guys who could make moves like that to where in a month they would be going in round three of a redraft then we want to look at them that way and so you're trying to get as many of these guys who are going to be true stars into your lineup as possible. And again, knowing that you're sometimes going to be wrong. One of the things that I've talked about is if you execute a zero RB team correctly and you do end up with our objective of getting six of the top 15 wide receivers, that's going to really help you with the buys. It's going to help you with injuries. It's also going to create a situation where sometimes you have a 35-point game on the bench. I've had teams with you know multiple 40-point games on the bench. And you can look at that and say, well, man, I I blew the start-sit decision by a mile this week. You know, what am I doing? Or you can look at it and say, I drafted a great team. My strategy was perfect. The fact that I've got two 40-point games on the bench means that I'm loaded. And so, you know, hopefully you still win that week. You probably would because, again, if you have that much firepower on the bench, it means you had stars in the starting lineup. But again, the idea is we're going to put together the best team. We're going to win big. We're going to lose small. We're not going to try and get so clever with our lineup decisions that we put in a lesser player. And, you know, sometimes you don't know. I mean, last year in week 16, Curtis and I were trying to decide between T. Higgins, uh, DJ Chark, and Antonio Brown for the last flex spot. And we did go with Brown. Uh, he was not the guy kind of at that point that people think he's going to be this season. And he did kind of rescue the game with this touchdown right before halftime in the blowout. But, you know, it, it didn't work out. The other two guys, Higgins was dealing with the really poor quarterback play at that point. Chark was dealing with the kind of goofy season, but they came through and did kind of what they had been drafted to do or with Higgins, what he had been doing kind of before the burrow injury. And so you just don't know if we had made the other decision, we would have finished instead of 12th, I think finished eighth. And I mean, then you're top 10 and it's several thousand dollars. Right. And so you're going to make some mistakes. All you can do is try and figure out who has the best path to victory when you're watching the game and you see Brown out there and he's not playing the full complement of snaps. He's the third read on every play. Then. Yeah. I mean, that, wasn't probably the win big lose small pick that week but the thing you have to realize is that in retrospect things are going to be much clearer you can't give yourself this hard time and give yourself this extreme level of criticism for things that nobody knew going into the game you want to keep in mind that those kinds of things happen and you just want to keep going through with your process of this idea of which players have the highest ceilings which players have the most paths to victory the most paths to scoring a lot of points every week chase the players with the high ceilings and the multiple paths as opposed to getting really caught up in okay there's one scenario where this guy who's on my bench could score a ton of points this week you know if that player if that scenario doesn't pan out and that player scores five points or things go wrong early then you're going to look at that decision the rest of the season and feel like well that could be the time that cost me the championship. That cost me the buy. You know, that cost me the fifty thousand dollars. You know what have you? You know, always try and win big, lose small.
2: And uh, this is this question did come in from Brad Archer. Uh, great question all around. Lots of detail. And one thing Shawnee asked about the final part was uh, on matchups. It occurs to me there's both a re- there's both real world matchups for your roster, and then also looking at strength of your opponent's roster and the matchups your opponent's roster has. Uh, is this something that you take into consideration for me i don't factor it in a huge amount the only time i would kind of factor it in is like if i have a monday night game where i have two options to play or if like you know i'm i need to get 40 points on monday night like go for like the swing for the fences play rather than the the, the, the easy play is that is that something you would take into consideration at all in terms of looking at the other rosters and then in what situations might use it
1: Well, one of the things that does happen if you get too caught up with your opponent's roster is I think it does kind of trick you into thinking, okay, well, there are some very narrow paths to a victory. You know, if the other team is better, then you start thinking, okay, well, what is the little, the low outcome or the low probability outcome that would let me win as opposed to how do I score the most points? And uh, scoring the most points is almost always the better approach. It does depend a little bit on your format. There are a lot of formats where scoring points throughout the season really matters. And so, you know, you can kind of look at, say a Monday night game. And if your league is like two teams qualify on points, two teams qualify on win loss, you know, don't give up a lot of points to try and claw back a very low outcome victory, right? You do that. And then at the end of the season, you miss the playoffs by 10 points. And, you know, you played a vertical receiver where you're hoping for an 80 yard touchdown and you get a zero and your normal guy scored 12 points. And, you, you know, you look back on that and, it's this question of, well, the process just didn't make sense. Now, there are some very occasional types of things that will happen where if you do get to Monday night and your opponent has a wide receiver and you have maybe two quarterbacks still, or say it's a, a late Sunday game or even before the week and you're the underdog or you're looking at two quarterbacks and one quarterback is going with the opponent's wide receiver and one quarterback quarterback. You know, is unconnected to the teams. You know, maybe if you're the favorite, you cover that wide receiver. Maybe if you're the underdog, you go with the other QB. So, you know, you don't have that connection. Those are some things that you can do, but they would only be things I would do if, if the point totals that are expected are very very similar. I wouldn't ever be looking to give up points based on what my opponent's roster is, except maybe you, you could look to give up points in say a, a the final week to qualify for the playoffs or a playoff matchup if. You have to play a different qb or you have to play a different receiver to get away from your opponent's qb that kind of thing but it's probably not something we we're ever looking to like purely give up points in order to manage your opponent's roster
0: hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com.
2: So Sean moving into the second half here some more questions one thing I was going to mention there the reason I don't look at my opponent's roster as much as possible is I don't like knowing that like in one league I'm playing against a player that I'm hoping that has massive games in five other leagues that's usually the reason that I I don't pay uh, as much attention early in the week um, but the next question I'm sent from Jerry Palomera and he says zero RB I finally did it uh, he said that he thinks he's executed a true zero RB draft and it feels great since reading your article Sean probably five years ago I've always been intrigued I completely understand the concept and for the most part it aligns with his theories as well so he's gone through the the draft and uh, he he had a high stakes draft PPR one quarterback two running backs two fl- two wide receivers two flex one tight end made the fourth pick uh so he said Kamara was still there. Somebody took Henry at the one hundred and three. Henry continues to be somebody who is going in those top three picks in certain leagues, and that's where you'll see certain different values. I've seen him go at the the one hundred and two in a couple of leagues as well. Um, so he he didn't go for Kamara though, which I went with one of my recent drafts uh, with the one hundred and two. Took Alvin Kamara, and uh, he passed on Kamara. went with uh, Tyree Killshawn, so he's going true zero RB here. So this is in order of round, you went with Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, Darren Waller, T Higgins, Jerry Judy, Jamar Chase, Labisca Chanel, AJ Dillon, Tony Pollard, Will Fuller, Rondell Moore, Fields, Gio Bernard, Baker Mayfield, Darnton Evans, uh, Johnson, and then kicker and defense to wrap things out. So I think he's uh, got off here to a pretty nice start. But just to read through some more off the context, he said DeAndre Swift went one pick before him in the fifth round and Trey Sermon went two picks before him in the seventh round. So uh, he said besides them, no other running backs were really in contention before round eight. Jamal Williams went in the fourth. So obviously that was a little bit earlier than expected. Lamar Jackson also went one pick before him in the sixth as he was debating him. Uh, and in the fifth round then, he was already getting those, you know, you need to have two running backs right comments. So, uh, Sean, we know that feeling all too well. Um, I think you just get comfortable. Don't, don't worry about those, those comments. They'll have different opinions at the end of the season, hopefully. He um, says, you can imagine, with that being said, he took Chase and Chenault in 6-7, then Fuller and Moore in 10-11, uh, and then Juju Smith-Schuster almost it back to him in round eight. Uh, so he, uh, I think he's he's gone through his process here. It's a very detailed email in general he said he wanted to document the first draft so that's why he's put so much detail in but he said as his wife can only understand so much and obviously his league mates cannot comprehend this idea so uh sean (laughs) i feel from uh my wife don't even know if she knows that the podcast about uh, fantasy football uh, 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 how do we uh how do we feel about jerry's lineup here
1: well, this is fantastic, right? And that's why we have the the Rotaviz Overtime community, so we can share our zero RB teams, and everyone understands. And if, if family and friends don't get it, then it makes it uh, our community even more special. It, it's interesting here that DeAndre Swift going one pick before him in round five. That gives a sense of just how scared people are of the Swift injury. I've been buying. We'll see. It's one of those things where if you told me in a couple of weeks that Swift. Uh, wasn't playing the season, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be disappointed, but not surprised. We'll we'll see how that works out. Colin, this team, I mean, if, if you had an all-time dream team, would this be it? You and I had a 102 in one of our drafts and we went with Travis Kelsey instead of Tyreek Hill. Uh, this one does not look like a tight end premium because Darren Waller is there in round three. Uh, that's a lot of fun so you look at the wide receiver lineup. but one of the things that you do here and one of the things that's kind of funny is people are like you do have to start two running backs right and you're like you do it's not all flexes you know where can i find the the starting line <laughs> you, you also the you chat. also
2: need to start two wide receivers and you have an option to start two flexes as well but yeah,
1: well you know the main like, thing
2: is you have two running backs you need to have two running backs
1: can we just start whoever we want you know it's <laughs> Go back to, to that kind of thing with your league mates and, and they'll feel even better about your draft if, if you feign misunderstanding of the starting requirements. This team, it has about as high a floor as you could possibly have because with these receivers, I mean, this is the team that executes the six of the top 15. If he doesn't have six of the top 15 wide receivers at the end of the season here, I will be stunned. Right, I mean this lineup is absolutely loaded. You've got that big advantage at the tight end position. I know it's going to come down a little bit to whether AJ Dillon, Tony Pollard, if those guys hit. And one of the things we talk about, well, some people come back to you like, that's that's all you need. That's unlikely. I mean, you're going to lose. But you're trying to limit the number of total things you need to have happen. But you also have Geo Bernard here. You have Ty Johnson. He's someone we talked about in the previous show. Darrington Evans, unfortunately going to miss those first three weeks might be someone that you want to turn over on the waiver wire. If there's somebody there, but AJ Dillon on the zero running back watch list, obviously I continue to run across more information suggesting he's going to be a big part of the passing game column. If people realize that Dillon was going to be part of the passing game, I think that Aaron Jones ADP would not be quite as high. I think that Dillon's would be higher there's still a little bit of projection in there. There are all kinds of teams that, I mean, Derrick Henry, they've said, is gonna be part of the passing game. And that's clearly not the case. So, you know, <laughs> we don't wanna to get too far ahead of ourselves saying, oh, look, you know, we were right about A.J. Dillon. I mean, you know, we're not right yet. There haven't been any games played. <laughs> but, is it, it,
2: Henry might be the eighth read in the passing game, I think, maybe. He might be. He might be, the, yes. The I never read before it gets to Henry, I think.
1: <laughs> Ineligible receivers are earlier in the progression than Derrick Henry, (laughs) according to Colin Kelly. you heard it here on RotoViz. So yes, we love that team. And keep keep us informed on how that develops during the season. One of the things that we'd like to see and that other listeners, other readers like to know is how did your team progress? Were you able to add the running backs who made a difference? Did you have a league winner who came in there and changed the team around? Were you able to make it across these early weeks when maybe you didn't have a clear cut running back starter, you know, sometimes you'll hit on those correct guys in the first couple of weeks. One of the things that was so weird about the team that Blair and I did was that we actually didn't have running backs, right? The running backs were not hitting. And yet the first couple of weeks we totaled just an insane number of points. And so through two weeks, we, we were in great shape from a win loss perspective, great shape from a point scoring. I would not be surprised with this team You know, if you come out and Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Jerry, Judy, those guys go off for, you know, 23 points apiece and you win easily, that would be pretty fun. If they don't, uh, you know, don't get frustrated, don't get worried. That team is going to be very, very good.
2: Yeah, it's a a marathon, not a sprint, as they they say, but uh, thanks again for that question. Enjoyed answering that one from Jerry. Uh, Next one in is from Eric Yankee, and I always – I. Do my best to pronounce these names. I'm probably wrong with most of them, so I do apologize if that is the case. He says, uh, Dear Rotovus, thank you for a great year of content. Um, We do appreciate, again, the kind words. There's a lot of feedback we've been getting. It's been very positive, and we do appreciate that. Uh, He says he has a question. A 12-team managed PPR Superflex Superflex Auction League with three wide receivers and a flex and 20-man rosters. So the team came in a little thinner than he would have liked at wide receivers. Did would hope to come away with at least six locked and wide receivers he was thinking of moving kamara to shore it up and um, what would we think if he offered kamara and bench players for ceh judy elijah moore and connor the, when we go through the team here um sean we'll we'll get to see what what you think but he has burrow is kamara singletary higgins boyd Debo Samuel, and that's a question I asked you earlier this week about having the two wide receivers in the same roster, but he is impaired here with Burrow as well. So he's all in on our bold predictions from earlier this week for the Bengals' offense. Uh, so he is Debo, uh, Will Fuller, Flex, so obviously for week one we need to make that move to not have him in there with the suspension. Uh, Super Flex is Trey, Trey Lance, and then he has Darren Waller. Fields, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Chuba Hubbard, Cole Komet, Jamar Jefferson, Jared Patterson, Amaris Ross and Brown, Donovan Peoples Jones, and Andy Dalton uh, covering his back, I guess, there with the, the Fields pick, and then Demarcus Robinson. Um, so, Sean, what's your thoughts on that roster? My first thing is just to make sure that he takes Fuller out of the, the flex for this week. But in terms of moving uh, Kamara being the main pick for other players like CEH, Jerry Judy, Elijah Moore, and Connor. I think in this situation with the overall roster he has there, um, probably the upside of having Kamara might be um, the way to go for the way that roster is constructed. But there is obviously the option to go and get the the two young wide receivers and everyone knows my bet already on, on James Conner. So if it was me making this trade, I would make the move depending on what you're going to have to give up off your bench. I think it might be tricky though to, to get somebody to buy in with the options on the bench to give up the pieces that we're looking for.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to know kind of how that trade discussion worked out because one of the things with it being a little bit thinner at wide receiver is that it gives you a sense of what Alvin Kamara costs you, even in auction format, in order to get him. Now, we do have him back up to the second overall pick, you know, it might be tempting to wait for week one because Camara, I think a little bit more established. Now we know that the Saints are going to play this differently and it's always possible Camara has a terrible week one and then your trade value has really plummeted because people are going to anchor to that week in a way that probably, you know, you wouldn't any other week because we don't know yet. I mean, a little bit of what happens in week one gives us a sense of what the season's going to be like. So it it has more value than a normal week from that perspective. It's also the only week that people will be thinking about because we don't have the other weeks yet in the same way that you do otherwise. So there's some risk. I think there's a chance that CEH, Judy, Elijah Moore, Connor, start more slowly than what they're going to do a few weeks in. And so I could see a situation where people, I mean, you and I are excited. For Judy. We're excited for Elijah Moore. We think that Connor could have emerged there. Edwards Alaire is in a little bit more of a static situation, but because he's missed so much practice, I think that his snap count in week one could be lower than it ends up being. One of the ideas for him breaking out and be this kind of 20% win rate player is that the Chiefs' offense is really designed around the fact that that main back is going to get the vast majority of the touches, including the receiving touches. Well, with him not practicing as much and Jarrett McKinnon playing a, a more impressive role, you know, sort of in the preseason and in practice looking athletic again. Now we kind of joked in the previous show about these guys who uh, out of nowhere now look athletic and then a couple weeks into the season and they look, you know, like 40 year olds and suddenly, well, you know, they didn't have that 23 year old, 24 year old athleticism to fight through this stuff and look explosive for the long term. But my point with CEH is I think that he could also underperform in week one. So you've got four player targets where I don't think that they're gonna do the same thing in week one that they will eventually do. And so you might get a better bargain yeah. after that. And maybe you can buy more, pay less. You know, you get a little bit of a sense of, you know, if Amon Ra is super involved, if Donovan Peoples-Jones, if they scheme him some touches, You can see if someone like a Jarrett Patterson takes receiving touches away from J.D. McKissick. And so you're in this position where I think that your trade situation may be strengthened. You can also kind of get a little bit of sense of how your own team performs. You know, in the very horrible scenario where CMC goes down immediately, you know, you have Hubbard there, so you you have that. You've got Ramondre Stevenson on the bench. If he takes a bigger role in week one than expected, then suddenly maybe you don't need to make the move. And so uh, you've got some options here where maybe being patient is the way to go. I think it's a pretty balanced kind of thing. We talk about, okay, well, which backs will we take? It's almost exclusively Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. You do have Kamara. So – depending on kind of what your other teams are like if this is your only team then maybe you want to diversify a little bit if you have some other teams you know having chimera on a team is a lot of fun so i i might stay with this at least in the short term
2: so again thanks to the listeners for putting in those questions as i mentioned earlier this week we will be looking for questions we will be looking for your recommendations to have on some of these shows Uh the shows usually that are coming out later in the week we'll add those into so any questions for more so then start set stuff more stuff about strategy more stuff about recommendations things like that that you want to send in to us that can be tv recommendations book recommendations anything like that there um even food recommendations hit us up with those as well but whatever you think send them our way you can send them to me at overtime ireland on twitter or you can email them over at rotovizradio at gmail.com send them our way as always we are on the eve of the full kickoff here of the nfl season in terms of the sunday games you can get yourself set up for success with those we mentioned some of the tools at the start of the show you can get access to all of the content all of the tools up on rotoviz.com by going to the website and getting yourself a subscription but you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to that by adding the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or by going to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for further information thank you to everyone also who has signed up for rotavis pass over the last two or three months uh, it is much appreciated thanks for that support and you hopefully will get a great value off it throughout the nfl season but again once more that code is rv radio 2021 for the 10 percent discount at checkout Sean, it is the time before the NFL season. I guess you're probably going to be in unison with me to, to wish all the listeners good luck throughout the season. Hopefully when we come back throughout the season each and every week, we'll be talking about how the players that we've talked about are doing very well, how our teams are doing very well, how the listeners' teams are doing very well. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a lot of uh, championships and prize money to talk about come the end of the season.
1: Exactly. And, uh, you know, we had the, the exactly drinking game. I caught you using it earlier in the show. I used
2: it earlier just to do
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped myself there. I'm going to say perfect. Yeah. We're going to be following along. We're excited about the listener leagues. Call them the listeners were dominant in the listener leagues. You and I will be trying to not finish last in those. We thank you for everybody who drafted with us. And to all of the listeners, to all of the readers, good luck in your 2021 season. We've had a blast with you during the off season, and we can't wait to keep chatting as we get here into week one.
2: Yeah, and that's going to wrap us up for this one. But thank you again for checking out today's episode. If you haven't checked out the other shows this week so far, head back and check them. And I meant to mention this earlier, but uh, on Rotoviz Radio's flagship show with Dave Cabin and Curtis Patrick on the Tuesday edition, they do talk through some of the week one GLSP information as well. So head back and check that one out as well. But we will be back next week with more content coming your way. Check out all the other shows up on RotoViz Radio. And until we're back with another one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on RotoViz Radio. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz with a discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.